2: Ladies and
0: gentlemen, boy, do we have a show for you. And it's an all-kids cast. On behalf of the 2,000 children performing tonight, we'd like to dedicate this halftime show to all the servicemen and women who are protecting us in the Persian Gulf. And now, live from Tampa Stadium, it's the first ever all-kids Super Bowl halftime show! only thing else I got to say is...
2: How about them, Cowboys? How about them,
0: Cowboys, indeed. The NFL season's officially over. Things are just getting started here in Cowboys land. Should be a really interesting off-season this time around. Hopefully, a little less interesting than last off-season. Things got really dramatic last year. We'll preview it all here as we set the stage on this episode of About Them Cowboys. Welcome in. I'm Kent behind the scenes and welcoming in three of the best of the best comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. We'll be joined by Saad Youssef from The Athletic a little bit later. We've got Father John Mishota from The Athletic and in the hosting chair introducing Kevin KT Turner. Welcome back KT.
2: Yes, welcome back and I guess the joke's on the Eagles. Go lose the Super Bowl and then lose their offensive and defensive coordinator. (laughs) Ha ha ha! Yeah, it's tough. First of all, let's start out there, John. Thoughts on the big game?
3: So I didn't watch it. No, uh,
2: get out. I was think that's funny. No, no, no,
3: no, no. no, no, I did. I just think it's funny uh, um, (laughs) because, yeah, one of those guys. How many people really don't watch the game? There's very few. But uh, I'm not gonna lie. I was happy. I just. Got to the point with Sirianni with me throughout this season where I was like, I just don't want to see this guy. I will say I did feel for him a little bit during the national anthem. They show him he's crying. Tears are flowing down. I can understand that. There's probably moments going through your head of what's what it took to get you to this point in your career and all that. But I just it's just so difficult to root for him. Um, I like Jalen Hurts. I'm a huge fan of of Jason Kelsey. I really don't have an issue with um, any Eagles players. Uh, Their fans are a bit much, but it really, the Sirianni thing was, I was like, I don't know if I really could handle the idea of seeing him uh, up there on that stage, getting that trophy from Terry Bradshaw. That would have been kind of nauseating. So that part was nice to see that that didn't have to happen. And to be honest with you, I like Patrick Mahomes. I'm a big Patrick Mahomes fan. Um, I want to see him play quarterback for a long time and uh, maybe make a run at that seven Super Bowls that Brady has. So Uh, The fact that he did his his thing in the second half, the fact that Kansas City was able to really they would have scored a touchdown on every single possession in the second half if they didn't uh, hold up and and kick the field goal. But uh, no question about that call. Um, And when I say no question, I mean the fact that it deserves criticism because it didn't really mesh with the way that whole game was called. So I completely (laughs) understand Everybody being annoyed by that, particularly Philadelphia fans. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. If that, if the Cowboys were in that game and, and they lost on, on a call like that, uh, Anthony Brown will say did something like that. I, yeah, they would be furious. And, 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 and I get it. I will say, though, for all the Philly fans— that were just so angered and raged by that after the game. <laughs> they had to be so pissed when they saw that James Bradbury was like in the, in the post game locker room. No, I held him. I was just kind of hoping he didn't call it, but he got it. And it was the right call. Like if you're an Eagles fan, you got to be like, no, James, don't say that. <laughs> this is the thing that we have to use as our excuse for the next rest of our lives if we never get back here. So that was kind of interesting. Um, and one other takeaway I had on it, and it's more of the last couple of days, really, it's just the uh, – I don't, I wonder, I don't have children, but I just wonder how enjoyable that game and that outcome really is for Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey's mom, because yeah, you're going to, oh, you're going to be excited because one of your kids won, but there's just, you're going to have to be, you're going to be upset that one of your kids lost and you're going to want to console that kid. Like, I just wonder how enjoyable that really was to be in that position. And I was thinking of it because obviously the situation with the Cowboys, you know, if they were to play the Bills, it'd be Trayvon Diggs versus mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs and, and, and and I've asked uh, you know their mother about that, and she has said that that's her ultimate you know dream, that she wants them to play against each other in Super Bowl. And the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, I don't know if you really want that. That just doesn't seem like that would be that enjoyable because you know one of your sons is going to be devastated when it's over.
0: I think the dream is the Rod Smith, Jalen Smith thing where you got them both on the same team. Yeah. yeah that would be great. I was – probably willing to guess that mrs kelsey miss kelsey wanted jason's team to win because she probably thinks travis has a few more trips left in his career yeah you know hey thinking about that real quick i was
3: thinking i i had that in my mind during the game he is 33 it makes me wonder how much travis kelsey still has left in the tank he obviously if you just watch that game and no one told you his age you'd think yeah this guy's gonna do this for five six more years but I, I don't know, man. Tight end. I, I wonder how many more years he has left because he's obviously. I mean, you look at that that crew that Mahomes has around him. It's Travis Kelsey and and he's. Well, here let me put it to you this way, Kent. I look at their offense as it's kind of Paul McCartney, John Lennon, mm-hmm. and then the rest of them are just all Ringos.
0: Oh. You know so that's where I'm kind of like zero George you take Harrisons.
3: Yeah. yeah, I just don't. You know what I'm saying? And, and really, that's not even the right one, because Mahomes is so much more valuable than Kelsey. Like one of the things that stood out to yeah. me after the game was Kelsey kept saying that stuff about how n- not one of you picked us, blah, 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 uh, tra- Travis, uh, hand up here in the back. Um, if you take Patrick Mahomes, your quarterback, and you put him on any team in the NFL right now, there will be some people that pick that team to win the Super Bowl. Lions, Panthers. Uh, Texans, go ahead and put Patrick Mahomes on that team. And I'm not saying that that team will go to the Super Bowl, but there will be some t- people that pick him. I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is so good that I was telling Sid this the other day, if the Bears would have drafted him, I fully believe Matt Nagy's still the quarterback. I believe the Bears have been to at least one Super Bowl in, in these last four or five years. That's how good I think yeah. Patrick Mahomes is. So for the whole, like nobody believed in us. No, 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 fifteen was on the field. There's gonna we we all thought that there was a, a really good possibility
2: he's he's uh, uh, to me
0: i'll back up i'll back him up just a little bit though when when that trade was made a lot of people were like all right it's going to take a while for them to figure this out they immediately won the super bowl
2: uh, people missed on him quick um and and, and there was a roster that was uh, a little more ready to go um i think than the bears was but i think we like look at all of it I think I'm at on Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is Randy Moss to me right now. And longevity is what gets him to be Jerry Rice. I think Tom Brady is your Jerry Rice, okay? But Randy Moss is the greatest receiver of all time. and I don't know if you agree with me on that or not, John, but like, I think that's what Mahomes is right now because the longevity doesn't show the accolades and the numbers you would need to match up. So Randy Moss, and I think I've come around to Terrell Owens is Aaron Rodgers. I think that's why I'm kind of working my way through these wide receiver and quarterback comparisons in this. Where's Calvin game. Johnson then? Oh jeez, Calvin Johnson is Joe Montana. Uh, nah, it doesn't. That one. That I need to workshop. Ah, ah Calvin Johnson is Dan Marino. Okay, mm.
0: that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, where's Emmitt Smith? Here. Yes. Saw Emmitt at the uh, on Radio Row. Guys, by the way, a lot of Cowboys chatter at the Super Bowl despite them not being in the game surprising of course. of course uh but I saw Emmett he was in the table next to us and it occurred to me I was like man that that record really might be like Gretzky level never be touched <laughs> with the way that this he, league is going yeah uh,
2: yeah for sure he he also said something to the standpoint of the Cowboys need to keep Tony Pollard and Zeke so Mm. When we get to that a little bit, maybe. Well, mm. I want to close out one thing on the Super Bowl real quick or the big game before we move on. Uh, so, the big graphic came out of how much, because this comes up with Dak all the time, literally all the time, uh, when we're talking in season about building a roster and things like that. I don't know if y'all saw the graphic that was going around uh, NFL Super Bowl winners and then how much of their salary cap they take up. Did y'all see any of this?
3: Oh, at a nauseating level, I've seen it. And I have have many thoughts. Continue.
2: Well, yeah, I'm saying you have 30 years of evidence here. And what you see here is literally quarterbacks in 30 years taking up all kinds of different levels of the salary cap. None of them have been as high as the 17% of the cap that Pat Mahomes takes up. But there are guys on rookie deals taking up 1% of the cap. There are guys... Take Yep, 12% of the cap. 13% of the salary cap. Got to throw that argument out. Yes, you might have more money to play with with your roster if your quarterback's on a rookie deal. I am fascinated to see what our Chicago Bears friends are going to do with the number one pick in the draft. There's small rumors that are coming from sources that you couldn't even, like, trust at all that they might be wanting to trade Justin Fields. I'm interested in teams like that. But Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, Pat Mahomes, who's on a pretty team-friendly deal, is taking up 17% of their salary cap, and he gets the Super Bowl win. You can win a Super Bowl if your quarterback's playing very well, even if he's taking up 15% of the cap. Now, you would like for him to be taking up less of it. Absolutely. But Pat Mahomes can get away with that, because he's the best. I was going to say, I don't
3: know that that is a good test for the rest of the NFL, because for example, you mentioned Dak, so we'll bring Dak in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Who? What quarterback did you compare Patrick
2: Mahomes to? Um, in our wide receiver game? Yeah. Randy Moss. What wide receiver is Dak Prescott? Boy, that's, that's where it becomes problematic, dude, because like... Because you're talking going. about when you say Mahomes
3: got it done, good. Give Mahomes 35% of the cap. that We're talking about already one of the top five quarterbacks of all time, of course, he's going to be able to overcome yeah. some of those things. I just look at that supporting cast and people criticize like the, what the Cowboys had around him. And of course, they didn't have Travis Kelsey. But you, what do you think Dak would have done with old Valdez Scantling and Kadarius Toney right. and Juju Smith-Schuster? Like how productive with old Pacheco in the backfield instead of instead of Pollard? What, really, what do you think he would have been accomplishing on that Chiefs team? I would love to hear this.
2: I think that's the fears that Dak is Herman Moore. Okay. You know. Yeah. Like. Uh, <laughs> I like that. That's that's, I mean, you that's know a what good, I'm saying? That's like, a good poll. I wasn't expecting I would, you to go there. I would like for him to be Chris Carter, Uh but right. I don't know. You know, that's the that's the thing. And until you get there and have continuous playoff success. Who was Romo? Five straight championship <laughs> games for Pat Mahomes. Like, Who was Romo? Oh, Romo? Romo was uh, Lance Allworth. Uh, Man, that's a that's uh, a that's uh, a
3: real deep hole.
2: God, that's a real good one though. You know, Romo might be closer to like a Keenan Allen in the uh, annals of football history. Because uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Man, might. be- I don't even run.
3: know about that Herman Moore. I didn't even real. I knew he made the Pro Bowl several times. Four four Pro Bowls for Herman Moore. Three time first team All Pro. Solid. Led, the, led the NFL in receptions in 95 and 97. Like, I thought he was Whoa. like a two, three time pro. I didn't realize he made first team all pro three times. That's impressive. It's so, my guy. It's a dumb Love game. Love Herman It's a
2: dumb game, but it's a fun fun little Yeah, I'm talk. just, my whole point was just um, that
3: I don't think it's good to use Patrick Mahomes as an example because he, there was, there was oh, like yeah. almost like one Patrick Mahomes per generation. You know, I mean, like, hey, yeah. I, I think Burrow's great and Herbert's great and Josh Allen and oh, Jalen Hurts played his ass off. Uh, and, and there's some really good young quarter quarterbacks in the league and stuff. But I'm just, man, Mahomes on a level well, of his own.
2: That's, my point is your Super Bowl champion would have given you a different number like that. On that yeah. number, Pat Mahomes takes up 17% of the cap. Jalen Hurts takes up, what, 2% of the Eagles cap? And there's
3: a party like the that wonders is- can the Eagles get it done when when Hertz is taking up 17 to 20 percent of the cap, like he probably will because they're going to give him a new contract, and then you're not going to have all those pieces around him. He's not going to have the best offensive line in football, most likely. You know, uh, it's going they're going to be limited on what they can add on defense and things like that. So, mm. I mean, I thought Hertz was um, was outstanding in that game. I mean, talk about where we're just in 365 days before that game where we thought Jalen Hertz was until that game, and you're just like, wow. Uh, I mean, I'm sure scheme helps players around. We had a great supporting cast, but man, some of those third down throws, you got to take your hat off to him, man. He made some huge plays in that game.
0: Yes. KT, John, I wanted your your thoughts on this. We have so much off season, so much speculation going into a season. You play 18 weeks of a season. You get everybody down there. There's signage everywhere. You make sure every square inch of downtown Phoenix is covered in Super Bowl branding. And then you get to the game and you play on the worst field in the history of mankind. Uh. What are your thoughts on that? I was super disappointed in the field. Although 38 35, Goodell's gonna be like, I don't know, you tell me if it was a bad game. There was a lot of scoring happening. There was also a lot of slipping. I would have liked to seen the pass rush get home a little bit more. And uh that that field was a disappointment.
3: Yeah, um, I guess I'm kind of an apologist for the NFL because I just believe that there's almost nothing right now that has the microscope in in terms of entertainment. I mean, as the microscope on it, the way the NFL does. So it's like, if you tell me that, you know, they're going to do this, you know, you know, crazy, like all these different things that they do, all the pregame show flyovers, all the stuff, different musical acts, all that. uh, And then you have the two best teams. There's all these like commercials, all this hype that goes into it. And then also let's be honest, there's social media. So everything that any little mistake is going to just be overhyped. And so it's, yes, for whatever I heard, $800,000 on that field or whatever like that, you would expect that that wouldn't happen in that big game and everything. But it is also, it's just kind of like that call that I was talking about. It's like, show me a game, a a major uh, event, game, concert, whatever, that goes on pretty much all day long. Because those pregame shows, I feel feel they just start an hour earlier every single year to where it's like an all-day event. Show me anything where there isn't something you can't nitpick. You know, like there—I mean, heck, there's Super Bowls where the lights have gone out of the stadium, and it wasn't in 1962. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, this stuff is—this stuff has happened, and so it's—it's um, uh, it's not great. You would—you would prefer that that didn't happen, but I just feel like you're always going to find something wrong. I can give you a great example that I had in, in my mind. They play that game at 18T Stadium. Obviously, you know, Jerry, salt there was the seat thing, there was snow, there was ice. There's always going to be something to nitpick, but let's just take all the elements away. Let's say you play at AT&T Stadium, third and five in the third quarter, they run, they run a sweep, Pacheco's leg gets stuck in the turf, tears his ACL. Then it's all about, they should never be playing these games on turf. Look at what it did to this. Like, there's always going to be something that happened. You know, nobody got hurt in that game. They played on grass. That's great and everything like that. But now it's like, oh, well, they were slipping. Ah, this ref made this call right here. Like. There will always be something. There will always be something. Broad- yeah. Broadcasters sucked. This player is overrated. This team, whatever. There's just such a microscope on it. And when you have over 100 million people watching anything, there's always going to be something to nitpick. And then, you, like I said, you throw on social media where everyone's got an opinion. Worst halftime show ever. Best halftime show ever. This song sucked. I can't believe that she did this. Whoa, she's pregnant. She's the greatest ever. Like, there's just going to... Whatever you want, there's always going to be a negative. There's always going to be a positive. So... There's always going to be something that goes wrong. It didn't to me. I don't think it ruined that game. I still thought it was arguably yeah. one of the best Super Bowls I've ever seen. So yes, the, the the grass wasn't great, but if it wasn't the grass, it would have been something
2: else. Tough week for the sod god, but let's go to our sod god, Sod Yusuf.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, I think I, I thought the, the Super Bowl, like John said, is one of the best Super Bowls that I've seen, and and I I feel like sometimes we say that uh hyperbolically with with you know best or worst i think i think the worst super bowl i've ever seen my, myself was definitely that patriots rams super bowl the the second one not the <laughs> no, first one no for sure um so i think that was definitely the worst one that i've seen personally like with my uh, like in my time um and and this was one of the best like you know obviously you know like i grew up a patriots fan like i like i've had some very tasty super bowls um, to enjoy but like I still think Patriots, uh, Patriots Seahawks was probably one of the best ones. Like I know the Falcons one gets, gets a lot of, uh, stuff for the comeback, but I, I thought Patriots Seahawks and then this one is one of the best ones. So, um, in recent times, but yeah, I think, you know, um, overall when I look at the, the quarterbacks, it's hard to watch these games and I, I don't know. I feel like you guys probably feel, I know John feels this way in case you probably as well. Like it's hard to watch these games without the lens of the Cowboys. Like you're always like watching it of like, okay, like, you know, how, how Jalen hurts is compared to Dak or like, you know, the fact that the Eagles had two receivers that they could depend on and the Cowboys didn't. And like, that's a lot of like how I was watching the game. Um, Just naturally, I wasn't trying to, but, uh, but one thing that stood out to me was anybody that thought, and Patrick Mahomes said this after the game too, if anybody had doubts about Jalen hurts, um in those surroundings and you know I think Dak had that a little bit last year where he had Amari and Gallup and CD and everything well yeah he had like he had all those guys um I still think Jalen Hurts is a little bit better than than Dak and um that was one takeaway I had I think they're in the same relative tier but I would still probably take Jalen a little bit ahead of Dak in my opinion um Other than that, it was just, you know, I thought for Mahomes' legacy, a huge game. And it seems really weird to say that, but, like, five years in as a starter and you go to five AFC title games and all the Super Bowls and you've won two. Like, um, it it was just very weird that Tom Brady retired the week before and, like, the next GOAT is, like, already so apparent um, the the following week.
3: Yeah, just the age thing is crazy because of the fact of – like Tom Brady didn't win his first M- league MVP until he was 30. And Mahomes already has two of them at 27. Like the idea that I think that what's going to happen with Mahomes is that like Kelsey's going to end up retiring. They're going to, there's going to be a lot of changes with the team. I think the chiefs will hit an air area. Maybe it's four or five years where it's just like, yeah, they're good. They'll kind of get into the playoffs and stuff like that. But you don't really think they're going to the Super Bowl. But then they're going to reload that thing, and he's going to get some other players around him. And then I think he's going to go on another run where for about four or five years, he might win two or three more. I don't think he'll get to seven, but I, I think I think this guy ends up winning three, four, five Super Bowls.
4: Also, the other thing is, is like with these kind of quarterbacks, you when you retool the way you're saying, John, like I think a lot of times you change styles. Like, you know, as someone, as someone who followed Brady throughout his career, like Those first three Super Bowls, all the way till 2006, it was defense first, defense, defense, and he had to do just enough. Then 2007 happened, and it's this like vertical attack with Randy Moss and Dante Stalworth signed, and Wes Welker was doing his thing underneath, and all that stuff. And then, like, that fizzled out in 2009, 2010. Then Gronk and Aaron Hernandez came along, and it was this like two tight end set. And then, obviously, with Hernandez stuff happened, but then they kept retooling. They had like Tim Dwight at tight end. Um, Michael Umanamanui like they had all these guys and it became this tight end centered thing and and like all the way throughout like you had these different kind of versions of the Patriots and it was like one quarterback and one guy and I could see Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes being that way when Kelsey goes away maybe you have a different style of offense different weapons and Mahomes can adapt to all of it and, and I think that's what's going to make him so great.
3: And with that, I, I also think that if you were to get to, let's say, a seven or even six, I think that he would ne- he'll need some luck on his side. And when I mean that, I mean some games where he doesn't play that great, but the defense makes some big plays or special teams make yeah. some big plays, and they're just like, yeah, they were able to overcome it for him. But if just him playing the way he is right now, where it's clearly when they've won these Super Bowls, it's been because of he's the, the biggest reason for it, I still think he can do the Montana and get to three or four, or
1: win three no, or four, I should no say. No doubt. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen-hundred-dollar first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. We do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad
4: decisions.
0: Yes.
1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only
2: in theaters May third. Rated PG thirteen. Let's transition to coordinator stuff. Uh, the Eagles lose their OC and their DC. We'll see how big of a deal that ends up being. Um, as the Colts and Cardinals get their coach. Um, for the Cowboys, where we left you off, Brian Schottenheimer had not been named uh, the last time we discussed it, although John had kind of told you there's one of the five or six names to watch. I don't know that it's really wise to have a hot opinion on Brian Schottenheimer as your offensive coordinator when McCarthy is going to be calling plays. So I'm kind of just kind of standing back. Um, I don't know if Schottenheimer is one of the guys that I necessarily wanted, but I'm not sure that that really matters right now. McCarthy's your play caller, and that's what the offense is going to be about. I, I think I almost view Schottenheimer's role, and I could be wrong. I almost view Schottenheimer's role as like assistant head coach type thing and help out with some of the things that will just naturally have to be taken off Mike McCarthy's plate when play calling takes over. Would you agree with that, John?
3: Yeah, I mean, he's not the play caller is the thing that matters most. And yeah. Mike McCarthy is one that he just says it over and over again. And he has the last three years that if you call it, you install it. So he's not going to sit there and, and even let Brian Schottenheimer like, Hey, Monday through Friday, you install the offense. I'm going to call it on Sunday. That's just not the way he's wired. So Mike's going to be heavily involved with that, with the, on that offensive side. So it's going to be Schottenheimer as more of a, he's going to be, an assistant to McCarthy and doing things the way McCarthy wants to do them. I would say that the thing that people should look at that are uh, Cowboys fans, what's the number one thing that that needed to, to be changed from this past season? And yes, it's they need to add another, at least one more perimeter weapon at wide receiver, no question. But there also were too many ups and downs with Dak during the back half of the season, and so it was about getting him back on track the way he was before. And if you look at what the way Russell Wilson played with Schottenheimer as OC, those are like three of the best seasons Russell Wilson's ever had. And so if he can do some things that just get Dak back to being more comfortable, obviously a West Coast system that Mike McCarthy's going to want to run. Uh, I think there's going to be stuff that's more east and west as opposed to maybe north and south and down the field as much. You know, I go back to some of those plays in overtime. Um, Against Green Bay, overtime against the Jags, where you know there's a lot of complaining from fans. I saw it all over Twitter uh, after the game was over about how they took these routes too long to develop on like third and fives and things like that. They need to get the ball out quick, and I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. But that's going to be the biggest thing that Schottenheimer has to do. He has to find ways to help make this thing as more deck friendly, put deck in more positions to where he feels is the, the most comfortable, and so that will also come with obviously adding pieces. They can't just go back and run this back with the same exact, um, you know, perimeter weapons. He obviously needs at least another wide receiver and maybe more if you lose Dalton Schultz. So um, I just don't look at it as, you know, they're hiring him and he's calling the plays and this is Schottenheimer's offense. Yeah, if that was the case, I I don't think I'd be feeling that great about it either. Um, But I just think of him as kind of an extension of whatever Mike McCarthy's going to want. And so uh, Mike McCarthy's steering this ship. And if it doesn't work out, he's gonna go down with it. So he's gonna want the guys that he trusts the most. So that's the way it goes. And uh we'll see. But I just it's not the same as, at least to me, Mike Nolan, Jim Tom Sula. That's because yeah. Mike McCarthy was allowing them to say, hey, the defense is yours, you guys are gonna run it. It was obviously a disaster. This is different. If this is a, if this offense is a disaster, we will not be sitting on this podcast a year from now talking about how well, it's Brian Schottenheimer's fault, like you would put it on Kellen Moore. It'll be Mike McCarthy's fault if it doesn't have success.
4: Okay, so, John, all that being said, I'm curious. I'm going to bring this back to the Super Bowl here for, for a second. And y'all, you Y'all, you can tell me if I'm crazy on this. This is about Schottenheimer, though. When you look at the dynamic, and we t- we've we talked about Eric Biennemi not getting these, these jobs and these chances um, at a job, you know, whatever. And now he's interviewing for the Washington job, right? And, like, everyone's talking about this stuff. And I'm curious. I, I know it's not every situation is not the same, but Andy Reid is the offensive head coach. He calls the plays. You got Bienemy being the offensive coordinator there. When you look at that dynamic, how much credit you give to Andy Reid versus Bienemy, and how that translates to then McCarthy and Schottenheimer? Like if if the if, if the Cowboys have two good years offensively and Dak is doing good, is Schottenheimer being propped the same, pro, like propped up the same way that Bienemy is for like the last couple of years. Uh, you know, even though Andy Reid calls the plays, he's the offensive coach. Like th- that's one thing that's kind of been fascinating to me. I don't have the answer to that, but to me, it's interesting because when we look at the Chiefs and we look at kind of like the way that they have success, we always talk about Bienemy deserves the next job, or deserves a shot, and all that stuff. But I feel like it's a similar dynamic to what we're talking about is going to happen in Dallas between. Schottenheimer and McCarthy, if, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Yeah, Schottenheimer will not get the credit. It'll be like Biennemi, where it's like whoever's calling the plays is going to get the most credit. And for me, I give the most credit to Andy Reid. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. They're the ones that make this engine go. With that being said, you know, Eric Biennemi should have a head coaching job by now. I mean, just, just from the fact that, yeah, he's not calling the plays, but he's been around that offense now throughout what looks like it's the beginning of a dynasty I don't understand why another team wouldn't want that in their building especially when you see some of the retread head coaches that are being hired again why wouldn't you want to give him a shot to be your head coach and heck in, in 2 3 years if it doesn't look like it's going in the right direction move on to somebody else I just I just look at so many of these head coaching hires that happen I look at them like I don't know it's coin flip you might yeah. get you might get the, you might have the success that um uh what's it called that uh Nick Sirianni had where it's like in two years, he's, he's going to Super Bowl, or it might end up going like Frank Reich in, in Indianapolis. Like it just, you know, I, I, I just, I think it's crazy that Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a head coaching job yet, but I also don't sit here and think that he's the one that deserves the credit for that offense. I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's Patrick Mahomes one, then Andy Reid, and then Eric Bieniemy underneath it.
2: Yeah, it goes terrible for Gannon in, the, in Arizona if Kyler Murray does not come back and figure out what's going on with Kyler, Kyler Murray. It yeah probably goes poorly for D'Amico Ryans in Houston if whatever quarterback they end up with out of this whole deal, whether it's Bryce Young or it's a trade for someone, if that doesn't get solved. Like, that's very simple. Well, that, and,
3: and, and that's kind of what I'm talking about, too, because if Eric Biennemi and Andy Reid were in their first year this year with the Eagles – I think the has one of the head coaching jobs because the way it looks yeah. that you took Jalen hurts and had him have this much success, which obviously a lot of it has to do with a great offensive line, the weapons around him. But you took a guy that everyone's like, I don't know about hurts and you make him look like that. That's going to be really attractive. I, I guarantee that there is a stigma with Eric B that it's like, and calls recalls the plays and you have the Michael Jordan of football, like who's not going to have success with that. You know what I'm saying? Whereas yeah. if you're the one that's like helping a player get to the next level. And Hey, to be honest with you, we don't know that Eric Bianymie isn't a huge part of Patrick Mahomes' success. You know, it just yeah. kind of it's kind of like in a way the Mike McCarthy with Aaron Rodgers thing. Like, okay, I don't think that you should give Mike McCarthy the success for Aaron Rodgers like he was his own little creation. But the fact that Mike McCarthy gets almost no credit for Aaron Rodgers is ridiculous. And and, and, just- and, and the longer we go on from B going on in his coaching career, we might end up looking back and going, Man, that was the that was one of the most important pieces to Patrick Mahomes having this success early on.
2: Yeah, the answer to a lot of these things is usually in the middle, uh, and that's not the sexiest answer, but that's what the answer typically is. Um, w- one thing I was thinking about, too, the McCarthy calling plays, what the Cowboys are going to do. We can you know, probably discuss draft later on and, and start thinking about free agency and things like that probably uh, in our next episode. But, boy, they really need Michael Gallup to be somewhere in between – what they thought he would be and what he was last year because it can't be what he was last year again and I do think he deserves benefit of the doubt coming back from injury but they're in a bind there if they get that version of Michael Gallup again that that's that's a bad news for the offense and we'll see what they do with the franchise tag uh it sure feels like Tony Pollard would be an easy franchise tag candidate although a little maybe a little risk there Um, but you know, there's a lot of things that are going to happen to the Cowboys roster that changes things. And I just wonder how much this changes, how much Mike McCarthy will be campaigning, um, for offensive help maybe.
3: Well, I think that they have to do something adding another wide receiver. Now, you know, I want them to swing big because I just think that it's the blueprint is out there. If you really want to be all in, be all in. And I think they need to swing big for a proven wide receiver. I'm not going to be surprised when that doesn't happen, but I will say that they will add something at wide receiver. And and hey, maybe it ends up being like a James Washington type where you get almost nothing from them. And that ends up, you know, biting you in the ass. But there is a chance that you add somebody who performs like a two or three. Gallup is a year full, over a full year removed from the injury. He performs like a two. And then you get something from Jalen Tolbert to where he performs like a three because of the fact of, let's be honest, that's why they drafted him. And if that all happens, you might have a really good offense, but we just can't see that right now because what's fresh in our mind is getting nothing from Jalen Tolbert and Michael Gallup looking like a number three at best wide receiver and not the guy that they paid that contract to and the guy that we've seen in previous years. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom. Like I can see this Cowboys team being right back to where they've been the last couple of years. But my my issue is, is how do you take that next step? How do you get past the divisional round. And I don't know how you just run it back and think you're going to do that. You're going to have to make some type of an aggressive move somewhere where you make it look clear, hey, not just to fans, because honestly, we don't matter. Uh, Writers, fans, people that watch the game, also send that message to your locker room. Like we're not just going to keep going. We're going to yeah. keep drafting and draft well, but we're also, we're also sending a message to the rest of this room that, Hey, we're going out and getting this guy. Cause we're making a run. We're not, we're not settling for divisional round and things like that. We're trying to make a run to the Super Bowl, And, and, and for that to be the case, the actions will speak louder than words.
4: Yeah. And I think, I think when you also talk about, you know, we talked about this in the aftermath of the, of the loss of the 49ers as well. Like, especially with Tony Pollard out, like, I mean, it, it was pretty clear the Cowboys were going to lose to the Eagles anyways in, in the NFC title game. Now, getting to the NFC title game would have been a nice uh, touch and, and an advancement for the last 27, 28 years. But, but what, what you're saying, John, is like, you know, you have to also, you you want to find a way where it doesn't take some sort, it doesn't take some sort of luck um, the for you to even advance. Like, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo is playing instead of Brock Purdy, like, You kind of lucked into a third string quarterback playing, anyways, and I I mean, I don't know, like you know, whatever. My my point is, is like, you want to be able to like have that in your own hands, as opposed to be at the mercy of circumstances or at the mercy of the other team. And I think that's where you want to upgrade enough to where you're not hoping that you're playing a third string quarterback or you're playing, uh, or or your guys are just on top of it or something like that. I think that's important.
3: Or you're going through like I don't know. Let's I'll just give come up some. Exam- uh, Daniel Jones, and then a yeah. team in the NFC Championship game that doesn't even have a quarterback. Yeah, like you can't count on yeah. that getting a Super Bowl every year. Right. It works it works once in a
2: while, but yeah, you, can. you can't can't yeah. bank on
3: that. Yeah.
2: Okay, let's look, transition into the Hall of Fame stuff. Uh, obviously, DeMarcus Ware gets in. Uh, Chuck Howley gets in. Darren Woodson left off once again, and I don't know. That's one of those things where it seems um, – Seems like it's probably never going to happen, sadly. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe it's a little too early to think that. But um, DeMarcus Ware, a no-brainer uh, getting in. Rondé Barber, uh, many others. I don't know if you had uh, thoughts on Chuck Howley. I never watched Chuck Howley play, John. And, yeah. uh, well, you're not that much older than me, so we might be <laughs> we might be in the same boat there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I just – you feel for guys like that because he's not in a, in a, in a good spot health-wise, and so you just yeah. hate that – You know, a guy doesn't get to experience that 10, 15 years after their playing days. I mean, it's not like anything changes. 15 years after you've played, your career is your career. Cause, so it kind of sucks that it, they have to wait that long. I just hope that doesn't happen with Darren Woodson to where he's waiting this long period of time because Darren Woodson deserves to be in. Uh, the DeMarcus Ware thing is no surprise. Ware should have been in with that first class. I mean, DeMarcus Ware is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm sorry, but I know people will argue that doesn't matter whatever you get in when you get in. That's fine. But like DeMarcus Ware should have been in on that the class last year. So there was zero surprise to me there. Um, and then, yeah, so... Uh, I just I know that there's certain you know rules and and, and things that they do uh, in determining like who goes in and I don't want to be even on one of those committees I just think that there's a lot on your plate uh to, to do that because you're going to be pulled in different directions everyone's got a case for the players they know better than others I just think that you could probably make these classes a little bit bigger and get a, you know a few more guys in um so yeah I think Darren Woodson gets in within the next few years anyway so it'll it'll all straighten itself out I think it's interesting
4: when you talk about like the exclusivity of that. And I think Dion was talking about that recently with like Peter King or something where it's like, you know, he was almost saying like, you need to like tighten it up or create a subdivision basically where there's like a, there's like a, a, like an upper class of like, so Lawrence Taylor shouldn't be next to, with all due respect, like Chuck Howley, which like Chuck Howley Hall of Famer,
3: but Lawrence Taylor, Lawrence Taylor, so, yeah. like, I I think that's kind of interesting, too. I'm fine with that on the separating, uh, maybe making a special area in the Hall of Fame for certain guys like that. That's fine. But you can't tighten it up now. Because yeah. if you're going to tighten it up now, what are you going in there and then taking guys out, too? Because let's not act like there's guys in there right now that have just Wouldn't these make oh, way better careers than these some of these guys that have been waiting. I mean, it's very right. close. It's very debatable. So if you're trimming it down and making it harder for guys to get in, well, then you must be taking some guys out and removing them too because it's not like yeah. the guys that are in the Hall of Fame right now. You're just like, oh, yes, every one of these is a no-doubt uh, absolute Hall of Famer. Like, well, okay, if, if that's the criteria, then you still got a lot of guys that still have to get in too. Yeah.
2: Okay, I have a question. Is Zeke a Hall of Famer? And. the oh. bef- <laughs> Be- before you hear it out, like uh,
3: I've seen this, I've seen this going.
2: You've seen this, right? Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Am I? Okay. So basically, he compares to numbers the...
0: to Terrell Davis. Yeah, it is yes, wild.
2: Yeah, it's been going around. I've seen that. And Terrell Davis played in a more run-heavy league. Zeke has already blown away Terrell Davis's career numbers, and Terrell Davis is a Pro Football Hall of Famer.
3: And and, and watching those teams, man. It's hard for me to think that Zeke wouldn't have won at least one Super Bowl with those Broncos teams, man. The way they ran the ball, the way the way they were with Shanahan at that time, like, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. It's like, yeah, Trell Davis is great, but it was like, anybody that played fantasy at that time remembers how it was like, Yeah. Give me whoever's Denver running back, Mike Anderson, Orlandis, Gary, like there was, if you were in that Denver running system, you were rolling. And then also, by the way, oh, they had one of the greatest quarterbacks in John Elway. So it is interesting when you, when, when I see the Terrell Davis comparison, because I do think Zeke would have had a ton of success on those Denver teams.
1: I
2: I have it uh, real quick. So I have it pulled up just so we're not, uh, just so everyone could see this. Cause I think it's important. Uh Terrell Davis in his career, 78 games. Zeke in his career, 103 games. So, Zeke's got 25 games on him. But Zeke has surpassed him by about 6,000 yards rushing. (laughs) He's surpassed him by about over 1,000 yards uh, receiving. Like, Zeke... Has twice, nearly twice as many catches as Terrell Davis has. Terrell
3: Davis, nobody would think of him as a Hall of Famer on just his regular season numbers. It's because that those teams won Super Bowls. That's why, that's why people look at yeah. him like that. I mean, just role reversal. You think Terrell Davis is just putting these last two Cowboys teams on his back these last two? These are 12-win teams. These aren't bad teams. You think Terrell Davis, if he was on that team in his prime right now, this year, you think that that's the difference? That beats the 49ers. That gets them to the Super Bowl. They then beat the Chiefs. What are yeah. you smoking?
2: It's playoffs too. Like Terrell right. Davis, playoffs average 140 yards per game. Zeke has averaged 65 yards per game in the playoffs. Terrell Davis in his career had over a thousand yards rushing in the playoffs. Zeke doesn't have 400. I mean, that's the difference. Big game stuff, but it is fa- it's wild because the league changed. So in a league where hypothetically you're running the ball less, and Zeke is still kind of overwhelmingly like outnumbered him. Adrian James got in
3: on that 2020 class. He's in the hall of fame.
2: Okay. Damn. Wow.
4: Here's my thing. I I, I hate, I I really, Zeke's absolutely not a hall of famer in my opinion, but like, um, but, but it's like comparing across eras is difficult. And, you know, like you could, you could do this with any position, any player. Troy Aikman has 32,000 passing yards, 33,000. Ryan Fitzpatrick has 35,000. Ryan Fitzpatrick has more touchdowns than Troy and all that stuff. Like, like and so like yeah statistically there are certain things but also i I think that you know um another thing that like people often say about whether someone's a hall of famer is like when you were watching them did you know they were a hall of famer like when you were watching them Mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna lie and say that i watched terrell davis so i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna go there but there's also a vibe thing right like john elway couldn't get over the hump until terrell davis got there and so like it's or, or terrell davis was doing his thing and john elway had this like stigma stuck with him as like, you know, can't win the big one. And and I think when you – and then you say John Elway's a Hall of Famer, then you think, well, John Elway got into the Hall of Fame and was able to complete that because Terrell Davis came along. And I think all that stuff makes that argument a lot different.
3: Well, hold up, hold up, hold up. John Elway doesn't need to win a Super Bowl to get in the Hall of Fame. He was in the, he was in the Hall of Famer without it. He didn't even need to go to a Super Bowl. He was in the Hall of Fame.
4: No, sorry if I said that. I, I meant like just the way that his legacy is though. Like his legacy – is different. It would be the Dan Marino legacy versus the legacy it right. is now. It would just be different. Um, l- l- let me say this. I think Zeke would have a much better chance if in 2016 Romo doesn't get hurt and Zeke comes in as the number four overall pick and the Cowboys win the Super Bowl with Tony Romo, who couldn't get over the hump for a decade, and Zeke came in and was the focal point of this offense. I think then Zeke has a case with all the same numbers still. I think he has a better case now with that Super Bowl with Romo, who couldn't do it without with DeMarco Murray, with Julius Jones, with whatever, T.O., whatever you want to say. So I think the situations do matter, and I think it's fair to to take that into account.
2: Yeah. It's just, uh, uh, that's
4: my
3: only argument here on that one, though, I will say, <laughs> is that those Broncos had a lot better defense than any of those Cowboys defenses. This Cowboys defense yeah. is the first time it's actually, like, relevant right now. The Broncos defenses were... Were very good. Those Broncos teams were not just like these. Oh yeah. John Elway just put it on his back and, and then, and they ran the ball well with Terrell Davis. I mean, they were all around outstanding teams. I don't know. I don't have the number. I'll look up where they, where they ranked offensively. I mean, defensively those years, but I bet, they you, they I mean, I bet you they
2: had top 10. I mean, I bet you they had, yeah.
3: I bet you they had top 10 defenses those years that they won the Super Bowl, but I could be wrong. I'll look it up.
2: Alfred Williams and Bill Romanowski.
3: I just never think of the Cowboys having a top 10 defense between DeMarcus Ware and, and then until they got Micah Parsons, there was none of those yeah. defenses were legit top ten defenses in between there.
4: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I'm not saying whether they would win. I'm saying if, regardless, it, that almost helps Zeke Zeke's case even more. Where you know if he wins the Super Bowl with Romo in 2016, that way I think that helps more. I, I think it's I think it's just like having that. And and also by the way, I do think that whether Hall of Fame voters are humans. And I think that these narratives also matter. Like when Terrell Davis like was like couldn't see because of the migraines and like they're like, just go out there because like, you know, they won't believe we're running like the Jordan flu game, the Dirk game. Like all these narratives also do matter. And I don't think Zeke really has anything like that anyways.
3: He overcame off the field stuff. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yeah, of course. That's a part of a lot of those guys, though, or some of those guys who have of in there, which I mean, we talked about Lawrence Taylor earlier, you know, some of that stuff. Um, 20, look at the odds for next year already. Cowboys still top uh, six team in the NFL in terms of uh, odds to make the play, uh, play, uh, make to win this, I guess, go to the Super Bowl in 2024. Uh, it'd be the 2024 Super Bowl with the 2023 season. Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys. Get ready. Everyone, buckle up! It's going to be the Eagles for a while, probably. I didn't have some like Jalen Hurts. I don't
3: know, man. I don't know. It could you be know how this division goes. Yeah, I was just going to say this division so up and down, and 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 for this to be for what you said to be true, then Jalen Hurts will have to play like yeah. he he has to be the player that he was in that Super Bowl because there's going to be some more heavy lifting put on his plate, and maybe he is. But there's also a chance that this is the best season that he's had or, or will have, or at least will have for a long period of time. And then once he gets that big contract, other things around you change. I mean, the idea that you're going to have the best offensive line, um, you know, obviously you're, you're losing members of the coaching staff. You're not going to be able to make all those, you know, obviously there's the A.J. Brown deal, and that's great. But when you give that big quarterback money, I don't think that you're gonna have the space to go out and fill holes like you did with Hassan Reddick and Bradbury no. and 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 A, hey, to be honest with you, a guy that I feel like was not talked about enough because they were the Eagles lost, but if they would have won. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was a beast in the, in that game. Beast. There were plays where, like, that one, that one sweep that they did to the left, where even uh, if you watch the replay of that, a Chiefs coach throws his hands in the air thinking that that play is going to be a touchdown, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson comes out of nowhere and lays out one of the— I mean, it is absolutely—if you are a defensive back and there is a video for tackling, that—I have never seen a play that deserves to be on it more than that. Like, oh. when you watch it from the All-22 end zone level, like— crazy how how well he was playing and he's another guy right before the season started they go and make that move those are all key little pieces that get you to into that game that i don't know if you're going to be able to make those as much when you are paying Jalen hurts like $45 million a year. That's when he'll have to overcome it. Much like we're in a situation. We're seeing that with Dak right now where yeah, the Cowboys still have a good offensive line. This isn't the offensive line Dak played behind in 2016. So the idea that you think that Jason Kelsey is going to play forever and Lane Johnson is going to play forever, or they find another, uh, uh, Jordan, my, like, I mean the idea that this is just going to keep rolling like that. It might, but I mean, it's all, I mean, Fletcher Cox is getting older. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know that I look at them as, oh, well, good luck. You're going to have to deal with this for the next five to 10 years.
2: Yeah, no, no doubt. And I, I also think, okay, there's a couple of things. A, career could end up really short if you're going to play the way he plays. Like, True. Like when Cam Newton went to the Super Bowl, there's a really good like line of demarcation of when a career can t- uh, tail off. Hey, I got, I got one for you real quick here.
3: I got one for you real quick here. The play that everybody, oh, everyone just loves this. All the football diehards love this. So I have to bring this up. When you don't have the best offensive line in football, and Jalen Hurts is two or three years older than he is right now, and he's making forty-five million dollars a year, you still every chance you get third and one. Every time you're on the goal, now, you're still doing that with him. All right, I bet you're, you don't. I bet you don't. I think
2: they're gonna. I think they're gonna get rid of that play. Oh no, they're do it. Ram- let's keep.
3: Let Let's see where that goes. Keep doing that. Let's see how well that works out.
4: You hope they don't, sod. I hope they don't. If you can do it, then then teams should be able to do it. I, I I like that. So.
2: I think I'm I'm in the boat of let's get rid of it. I don't know. And I realize so here's, here's the story. I just story think they have a going lot going. of key
3: pieces that I make think- it look a lot easier than people think because this is a copycat league. If it was simple as just, no, 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 if you just do this right technique wise, everybody can do this. No, you have to have well- a very good offensive line. The timing has to be perfect. Jason Kelsey is huge on that thing being successful. And obviously, yes, uh, Jalen Hurts being. Uh, being able to squat a bus obviously helps with that as well. But I'm just saying, the the more you get up there in years and you start adding on these injuries and things like that, I don't know if you're going to be doing that every single opportunity that you're at third and one or you're at the goal line, like they do it right now. They might, you're, but let's see.
2: You're borderline blocking low. And I think that's how the NFL can wiggle out of this. Because at at just the, the eye test of it, it is in the trenches. You know, most physical team wins plow ahead. But I think the NFL could wiggle out of this and go, because it, you, look, the, it's, if the there is an injury, they have no answer for this.
3: An injury, much like the Tony Pollard tackle, now that that tackle led to a major injury and there's been others that led to major injuries off of that similar tackle, now you hear the changes. But if there aren't injuries tied to that play, there won't be any of changing of it.
2: There will be injuries because the defense has to stop it. And here's how you stop it by hurting the quarterback and by playing dirty and cheap. And that's terrible, but that's how you stop it. It sucks, but that's how you stop it. Otherwise, it's not fair. I mean, there's definitely some
3: times where they run it and he just gets in. Like, honestly, to a wayside, it reminds me of some of those, how great Brady was with those sneaks. But the thing was, oh, it's yeah. like he would find the right gap, and he wasn't taking the major punishment. There's other times where Jalen Hurts is in there, and he's even gotten over the goal line, and you know it's a touchdown. And there's still two or three guys yanking on him, pulling him another way, things like that. Where, again, hey, all credit to him, gets the touchdown, a great player. I'm just saying that when you give him $45 million a year, you're just going to think a little bit harder about, do we want to keep doing that? And then if he gets hurt, we got to go to Gardner Minshew or whoever his backup is. Offense ain't going to click the same way with that guy. Why didn't they do it with Gardner Minshew more often, you know?
4: Yeah, and I think, KT, to your point, like, I, I think it's going to take injuries. I, I don't think, I hope they don't do it now. It's the same thing with the with what happened with, like, the horse collar tackle. Like, how many times do we see that and then T.O. gets hurt and, and you know, that kind of, like, you know, more yeah. so ushers in that rule. I think it with some of those things, same thing with Tony Pollard, as you mentioned, but, like, um, it, it does take uh, something like that to happen in order for a rule change.
3: And and the other yeah. one, KT, that you know really well is that Anthony Barr hit on Aaron Rodgers. We put all his weight on him. That was the play that changed all of that to where they they weren't going to allow you know defensive ends to come in there and then put all their weight falling on top of the quarterback. Which um, if if you if you guys have seen it, I'm sure you think it's great because it's amazing. And if you haven't, you should watch it. But that ESPN 30 for 30 on that Ravens team, um, they talk about in there like how Tony Saragusa put on one of those hits like that on Rich Gannon in the uh, AFC championship game. And once Gannon was out, I mean, that Raiders team, it was very similar to once, you know, Purdy was out, they don't really have anybody that's going to play quarterback at that level. Boom. All of a sudden the Ravens win easily. Uh, and then that play ended up, you know, that's one of those things. Eventually it took a while to, to the Aaron Rodgers hit to where they started changing yeah. it. But you see it now. And it's almost like where it's almost over officiated where you're just like, all right, that's just a sack. Let that go.
2: No, I, I agree. There's a lot to, I'm always fascinated with like what they come out. Like even like the penalty that was called in the Super Bowl. it was like an emphasis before the season start. The competition committee is looking for defensive holding and that's, you know, kind of, and we discussed that penalty earlier and, and how we felt about it and all that stuff. You're talking about at the end of the Um, game. Yeah. I just think it's kind of ironic. Yeah. My issue is that when they meet and they, they change things. It sounds like maybe not change things as much as like emphasize things. Right. Um, like, just,
3: I bet you if you went back and watched every single snap that every one of those receivers did in that game, I find it hard to believe that you're not going to find a few more times where that happened oh, that game because yeah. that's not that rare of an dude, occurrence for that to happen.
2: It doesn't work this way, but the Chiefs were owed a couple too. I mean, dude the the play, the Dallas Goddard double catch. Oh God, this is what frust This is what drives me nuts. No, Goddard was a beast goes to in that game, man. And they still don't know. That drives yeah. me insane. It was out of his hands. It
0: was floating in midair. Was like, Goddard was a beast in that game. If you watch,
4: yeah, if yeah. you watch that replay from the back, though, you feel more like it's a catch. And if you watch it from the front, you feel, it's almost like that little what was that little dress picture that used to go around? And it's like you like you know, is it a blue dress or a or a whatever white dress or something? I swear, every time they showed that angle, every time they showed it from the front, I, I was with like, like what Kent's saying. Like I was like, it's definitely bobbling. And then you show it from the back. And I'm like, that's absolutely a catch. And and it's crazy the difference that it was between those two. Yeah, I Laurel, thought it was a
2: catch. Yanni. Laurel. Yanni. <laughs> so stupid. Right? Remember that? That was yeah, a good meme. Oh, yeah. Term yeah term it It, does. it depends impressed. on
0: the way you look at it. I mean, but yeah, he lost possession. Once he reestablished possession, he only got one foot down. It wasn't that hard to see.
2: I don't know. I was pretty butthurt about it. but Yeah, I still thought he had also, his first
3: toe down when he re, re when he regained possession. I thought the toe just was about to come up off the ground, and then he got the second foot down. So that's why I didn't really – it was just so close. I didn't really have like uh, an issue with that one. It didn't really – I don't know. It didn't bother me.
2: I'd say next week we'll get to some uh, – we'll likely get to some free agent stuff uh, and start moving ahead. Maybe we'll get our eyes on the draft a little bit and anything else. Um, unless you guys got some Kyrie takes you want to fire off right now. I don't
3: know. Hold on, real quick. If you could have one player off of one of the Super Bowl teams, not not counting uh, Patrick Mahomes, and put him on this Cowboys team for this upcoming season, who would it be?
2: Travis Kelsey. Okay. Um. Hey, if you want to make that offensive player, you know you can change it to defense. Defensive player, maybe Chris Jones. And then, See, yeah, I think I would rather yeah, take
3: Chris Jones, to be honest with you. Uh, you know I what? just think that that that's is
2: how wild it'd be. Nick Bolton playing the Vander Esch role.
3: I just think that Chris what? Jones, the, the, <laughs> well, the, team's, the team's been missing that guy for so long. And I agree. I just think if you put him in there with Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Sam Williams in his second year. Uh, I, th- I thought Chauncey Golson started getting better towards the back end of the year. Obviously, you have Dorrance Armstrong, and but and Osa Diggie Zua, I think is st- still on the way up. But I think if you throw Chris Johnson there, you got a real game wrecker in the middle like that. I think it takes the defense to a completely another level. Where I think the, the Cowboys' defense would be the best defense in the league next year if that was the case. But I mean, you can't go wrong with either. I mean, Kelsey's great too.
4: Yeah, and and you know, like this isn't someone that I would take over all, all those bigger name players. But talking about like watching the Super Bowl through the lens of the Cowboys. You know, there's some guys like when you watch TJ Watt, you know, everyone was saying pick TJ Watt over Taco Charlton. Yeah. And every time I watch Juan Thornhill, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Everyone, I mean, there, there was a pretty wide consensus outside of the Cowboys room that, hey, take Juan Thornhill instead of, I think it was Tristan Hill at that point or something, right? So, oh, there's no thinking.
3: It was Tristan Hill. Go on, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
4: you know, for, for me, it's like whenever I watch Juan Thornhill, I'm like, man, like, you don't second guess like every draft choice. We've talked about this before. You could do that uh, every time, but when there's those consensus, like everyone yep. knew not to take taco, take TJ Watt, everyone knew take Juan Thornhill over Tristan Hill. And they didn't. And, and it's, I still, every time I watch it, I can't believe
3: it, it is funny though. When you look at this Cowboys team, Like how many of the like guys that have really been a big piece, like when they were on the clock, it is one of those guys that you would think is the consensus. Like, no, no, take this guy. You know what? I mean, I would have probably, I mean, just being completely honest, I would have taken Patrick Sertan if the Cowboys had both those corners on, I would have, and, and Hey, he's a great corner. Don't get me wrong, but he's not better than Micah Parsons. I'd rather have Micah Parsons. So I would have been wrong there. But after those corners were gone, it was just like, all right, well, yeah, he's probably the best player. I probably would have taken uh, Caleb on chase on just because they needed the that position more. But, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, you can't go wrong with that. And I bet a lot of fans would have wanted CeeDee Lamb, you know what I'm saying, like in that situation. Yeah. But, the, yeah, the Tristan Hill and the Taco Charlton, those will always be ones that you just look back on. And you're just like, man, just w- if those two picks are different, how different? I mean, maybe the Cowboys are in the Super Bowl this year if those two picks are different. They probably would, actually, because so- if you just tell me that TJ Watt's on this team— if they have TJ Watt and Micah Parsons. I'm yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're beating the 49ers.
2: And maybe someone's screaming right now. Well, the quarterback's got to play well. Uh take it there. But
3: uh, t- I don't know if they do. If you have TJ Watt on one side, Micah Parsons on the other, you you just might have to just hand the ball off a bunch and you don't. I'm just I'm being serious. Like if you have that that type yeah. of a defense, I think you change your game plan. I don't think you're as aggressive. I don't think you're doing uh some of the stuff on offense. I think you would you would really lean into that we're going to run the ball. Dak's not throwing more than 25 times a game. As long as we don't turn the ball over, this defense will win games for us, you know? Yeah. But I say that, well, and it's also, I never would have predicted that, that the Eagles would have come out of that game, with not one sack, man. Crazy.
2: Well, guys, we will uh, return next week with some more action. Um, anything going on at the star or anything, John? It's a pretty kind of quiet season, right?
3: It is quiet season right now, but it'll pick up. I mean, we got the combine at the end of the year. I mean, at the end of the month, sorry. So that Mm -hmm. obviously, that's where all the attention is now. But yeah, man, they got 18 unrestricted free agents. So I'm sure there's plenty of uh, work going on behind the scenes for that. But in terms of availability and things going on there, nope, nothing.
2: I I enjoyed your article on the uh, 30 prospects, um, who fit some of the needs the Cowboys need. Everyone should go check that out. Um, And maybe we'll discuss some of these players. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of a Combine primer and things like that next week as well. We'll probably turn our eyes to free agency a bit as well. So, And usually uh, some of the Jones family uh, speaks at the Combine. So that's always a good time. The Combine bus. Um, for Saad Youssef, who is still covering those Dallas Stars who continue to really uh, try hard, to play well, to get wins, and... Overtime losses, where you get that point. They're doing a really good job of getting to overtime and getting that point. Hey, whatever it is, good job, Stars. Following you closely. Obviously, our Rangers reporting for spring training to check out what Levi's got going. Tim Cato with the Mavs. Good stuff here at The Athletic. For Father John Mishota, for Saad Youssef, for our producer Kent Garrison, I am KT. We'll see you next time on Nothing Cowboy.
1: Anybody that thinks I won't take a chance has misread the tea leaves.